This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Conservative. Constitutional. It's the Andrew Cooper Writer Show, keeping you informed on what's going on right here in Kentucky. And welcome, everybody, to the Andrew Cooper Writer Show. Of course, I'm your host, Andrew Cooper Writer. Thank you all so, so much for joining me today. A wonderful, wonderful Monday, of course. Great. Always great to start off the week right here with the Andrew Cooper Writer Show. Keeping you up to date on everything going on right here in Kentucky from a constitutional and conservative viewpoint. Always important to stay informed and also important to make sure your friends, your family members, that they're staying informed as well. So please make sure you're telling others about the Andrew Cooperwriter Show, encouraging them to tune in, whether it's on WZXI at 9 a.m. or everywhere else at 1 p.m. on all major podcasting platforms and Facebook, YouTube, Rumble, and Twitter. You can catch up uh, uh, every daily show, Monday through Friday, at 1 o'clock everywhere else, 9 a.m. Once again, WZXI. As always, if you want to reach out to the show, just email info at theandrewshow.com. Once again, that's info at theandrewshow.com. Hopefully everybody had, like I said, a fantastic Thanksgiving, a good deer season into modern gun deer. Still archery on the ticket there. Still archery on the ticket. Uh, I do have a bear tag this year. So if anybody has a place to hunt bears... Um, and they have bears, good scouting on bears. Reach out to the show, email me info at the show.com. I'd love to come hunt a bear this year. Um, once again, that's info at the show.com. As always, too, you can go to the show.com to catch any shows you may have missed over this past week. If if you missed it because of holidays or it wasn't part of your normal routine, go back, listen to them. Important shows, important things. That were discussed. You know, we've got uh, something I missed a few days ago was um, Bentley, Representative Bentley, Danny Bentley, out of the 98th District, which is Greenup County and part of Boyd, is retiring. Um, that's, of course, a little bit interesting just because they're in that Greenup County. That's where that Raceland Worthington School District is. For those longtime listeners, will remember me covering that a little bit um, where situation going on there with alleged grooming by a male teacher there creating romantic relationships with girls when they were 14 15 or creating that attachment and then waiting till they graduate high school turn 18 to launch then a a more sexual relationship um you know so in in the school district's response they're creating hundreds of angry people in that area certainly be interesting to see a uh, more so, uh, you know, parents rights candidate coming out of there, kind of falling into that kind of, I guess you'd call it line of legislators within our state legislature. And, and, and really realistically speaking, 
we, you know, I think this is a good time. We've got a few retirements, a few people being challenged uh, for their seats, a few people that will be challenged for their seats. I think it's worthwhile for me to discuss with you where our state legislature is exactly at, where things are falling along. So you've you've got legislators falling into pretty much four categories. So you got about 20 or so legislators that fall into the category of just they're a Democrat, they're a registered Democrat. They don't matter. We're tossing them to the side because 80 out of 100 seats in our state house and then 31 out of 38 seats in our state Senate belong to uh, the Republican Party, people with R's next to their name. So those Democrats don't matter. So when we're talking about the other 80%, um, the majority of them right now, more of a majority of them in the Senate, fall into a category of controlled by leadership. Okay, so there's a there's a cadre of leadership within our legislature um, that hold official titles like whip, like leader, like floor leader, uh, majority leader, speaker, president of the Senate, so on and so forth. And they are really running the show there um, with these majority of people that vote exactly kind of how they're told to when it comes to the pieces of business items. See, to really understand how the legislature works, how things work, the vast majority of what they pass is about going ahead and serving their kind of corporate interests. So the, the leadership holds power because they run what's called the campaign caucus committees, which has uh, vast amounts of money and can give unlimited amounts to candidates within their chambers and as well as coordinate with them. So basically, uh, they're there to make sure House members continue to win and they can give money to House members, large amounts of money, more money than they can probably ever raise themselves. And so because of that, many House members are relying upon that caucus campaign committee to spend money to them, give them money. And so they'll do whatever they're asked to do by leadership. But leadership needs a fair amount of money in order to keep these people bought in, in order to keep delivering that. And so to get that money, they get it from, of course, donors, also investors, quote unquote, which is the corporate people who give them money to pass the corporate bills they need. And then, of course, their wishes are carried out by the lobbyists who then convince everybody to vote how they're supposed to. And when a, a corporate interest gets a bill passed they like to see, that continues them giving more money to things like the uh, caucuses and the PACs that then leadership has control over, which means they can continue to control the votes as they go down. That's the vast majority. But there's this group of people that fall into the populist and liberty side of things. These people who are tired of doing the bidding of the corporations and instead want to do things that conservatives claim that they want to do. Shrink government, get government out of your lives as much as possible, protect liberty, have a government that serves the people. You see, leadership has a natural aversion to taking serious steps on serious bills that deal with conservative issues like social issues, like protecting the Second Amendment, like these other things. In fact, they're more willing to go against and attack those things because it helps them hold on to their seats, hold on to their powers. Because many of these more mamby pamby whatever Republicans that do whatever they're told to do, that need leadership to continue to be reelected, well, of course, they don't want to take those hard votes. Uh, they're probably in more liberal districts, or at least believe that if they're actual conservatives, well, they may lose their elections. And leadership needs to keep 
those Republicans on board. And so to spare them, the Republicans they control, leadership will instead not take votes, important votes, to do the important things we want done because it might be controversial and it might cost them a seat or two. And if that seat or two costs them, of course, the more moderate members who are a lot more willing to do the bidding of the corporations than the more conservative members who believe that maybe government shouldn't be doing that. You know, people, people who don't just think that the difference between a Democrat and a Republican is how they spend your money, but instead think that the difference between a Democrat and Republican should be not just how they spend their money, but how much of it they spend and how much involvement they have in their lives. Cause these people in these more quote unquote moderate districts or Republicans hold seats, well, they're more moderate Republicans. They believe the only real difference between a Democrat and Republican should be what they spend money on, not even how much. And so they serve leadership. Leadership wants to keep them in place. So they don't want to make them take hard votes where they could lose members of the House and Senate that they control. And then more people who they don't have control over, those who are true, strong conservatives that want to see things done, want to stop serving the interests of institutions, but instead start serving the interests of the people. Well, that scares leadership because, well, if they don't keep the donors rolling, that money rolling, then they can't continue to elect people that then they have control over. It's power for the sake of power. That's what they're seeking to do. And so as these types of elections take place, more and more of the establishment pickies are losing and you get more liberty slash populist people in place, people who support the will of the people. And, and there's different legislators that fall into a category of they're not exactly empathetical to this, but then there's people who fall into the category of just doing whatever leadership tells them to do. And then there's people who actively fight it. And that cadre is growing more and more. And it's important that's growing more and more because we have important pieces of legislation that we're going to have to fight on this year including CAR, Crisis Aversion Rights Retention Act, a red flag gun law. We'll be talking about that after this short break. You're listening to The Andrew Kubrater Show, your source for Kentucky politics. We'll be back here in just a few short minutes. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. And you're back with the Andrew Kubrider Show, your source for Kentucky politics. As always, you've got questions, comments for the show. Go ahead and reach out to us by emailing info at theandrewshow.com. Once again, that's info at theandrewshow.com. Before the break, I was talking about the, um, you know, why it's so important that we have good people winning in these races and challenging leadership. And um, a great example of this is CAR, the Crisis Aversion Rights Retention Act. Now, I've talked about before, I've talked about this issue and others, but understand this, you know, the more these people that come in and serve leadership, the more of them that hold power, because remember, as I said in the last segment, leadership is most interested in serving that of their quote unquote donors, their investors, the people who shell out the money because their control over that flow of money is what gives them control over the rest of their caucus. It's what gives them power. 
And one of those big investors or a lot of those big investors has been as of recently, um, you know, things like uh, uh, KMA, the Kentucky Medical Association, as well as some other groups. And those groups have been pursuing, has made it a central point of their lobbying efforts to lobby for taking away your gun rights. And there's been movement on this. You know, Kentucky Senator Whitney Westerfield out of, uh, you know, kind of the, the Christian County area is where he's kind of over. Um, he's a state senator who, once again, leaving office, um, but he's proposed this bill. But in the past, we saw Hornbeck and another Democrat kind of proposing these types of red flag laws. And we see an article here in the Courier-Journal about this Crisis Aversion Rights Retention Act bill. And, you know, what they go over, this is quoting now from the article, uh, a bipartisan team of legislators and a survivor of a mass shooting are working to convince a state deeply rooted in gun rights that a law to temporarily remove a person's firearms could be beneficial. State Senator Whitney Westerfield is planning to introduce a bill on the matter during the 2024 legislative session, which begins in January. Senator David Yates of Louisville, Democrat, said he will sign on to the bill as a co-sponsor. The proposal is backed by mass shooting survivor Whitney Austin of Louisville as a way to reduce shootings and suicides. The new bill will focus on the concept of crisis aversion and rights retention or CAR, which gives family and friends a way to temporarily remove a firearm from those thought to be in a mental health crisis. A joint legislation intermeeting the Judiciary Committee will discuss the proposed bill on December 15th at 10 a.m. So listen right now to all of you listening. Mark your calendars December 15th at 10 a.m. in the Judiciary Committee. You better show up to show that you're against this bill. If, if you have a opinion on this, if you don't want to see this happen, if you want to stand for the Second Amendment rights right here in Kentucky of, of seeing this, and I'll go into why this is so awful and why this Crisis Aversion Rights Retention Act is just absolutely a ridiculous bill, is absolutely encroached on Second Amendment rights, is flies in the face of everything our country was founded on, like due process, like having a jury of your peers, like it's not up to the government to decide whether or not you have a right to defend yourself. If that is something that you take issue with, somebody attacking that, then on December 15th, mark your calendars at 10 a.m. Make, make sure you're in the Capitol Annex for the Judiciary Committee's hearing because you and I have got to stand against this. I know I'll be marking my calendars December 15th to be there. I hope you join me at 10 a.m. But anyways, moving on. How is car different from a red flag law? So let's see how they sell us this pile of dookie. Uh, let's see how they sell us this absolute obliteration of what it means to have the Second Amendment. Let's see, let's see how they tell us, well, this, this is different, though, uh, than other red flag laws, which are, are clearly uh, uh, awful. And, and it's not just me saying this, of course. You know, Savannah Maddox, priorly to red flag laws, has said that this bill is a threat to constitutional rights which it is. And the and this bill has been unsuccessful several times, right? But let's see how they sell it to us. Well, they say they point out, you know, Kentucky, high rates of gun deaths and blah, 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 blah. 
But Austin, the shooting victim, says car is different than former laws because it focuses on gun owners. You know, compared to the red flag laws before, which also focused on taking guns away from gun owners. How does car different? How does focusing on gun owners different than focusing on gun owners before? Well, he goes on to explain some of this, but it absolutely makes no sense. Once again, quoting from the article, there are many reasons gun owners could be facing a crisis moment and a huge focus at car is once a firearm would be temporarily transferred, we'd give them a list of support services and help them move to a path of safe gun ownership. It's focused on doing everything we can to help them and get them back to a place where gun ownership is safe. Now, last I checked, you know, when I read the Second Amendment, I, you know, I, I'm, you know, I got to double check it. You know, let me, let me double check this. Cause last I checked, um, the second amendment, let's see, safe gun ownership. Uh, when I look at the second amendment, let's see if the words, uh, second amendment, a well-regulated militia. Let's see here. Shall not be infringed. Um, security of a free state, keeping bare arms, infringe a well-regulated militia, be necessary, security of a free state, and people keep bare arms shall not be infringed. You know, I've now read it like five times. It's pretty short. Um, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of free state, the right of the people to keep and bare arms shall not be infringed. Uh, safe gun ownership. You know, I've searched it now, back and forth, five or six times. You know what I don't see in the, anywhere in there that the right of the people to keep and bear arms should be encroached upon because the government says, Oh, we don't know if you're safe to own a gun or not. Not that you have violated the law and have been found guilty of it by a jury of your peers. So therefore your rights deserve to be taken away from you because you've committed a crime against your fellow man and encroached on their rights. Therefore you lose your freedoms as judged upon you by the court of law, because of a jury, no, uh, this is just simply it's unsafe for you to own a gun. That's that's what this bill's about. It's just unsafe, according to whom? According to a judge and law enforcement, because it goes on to explain that uh, uh, what it would offer, right? It gives you these pathways of safe gun ownership, but it would be the judge who has to decide that now the ownership is safe. Because the request to have guns taken away from you has to come from law enforcement. And then it gets agreed upon by a judge. If you want to keep, and this, this is the other diabolical side of this. This is taking away the rights to defend yourself from those who are not as well financially off because you receive this. Let's say law enforcement decides that they want to take away a gun from you because they mentioned family members, but family members have to report that or law enforcement has to decide that they want to take the guns away. So then they go to a judge to request it. Then a judge has to grant it. And this is the thing. A lawyer to do this will cost you thousands of dollars, thousands of dollars to defend yourself. And so those who are well off and have the means will not have their guns taken away because they will have a lawyer step up and fight for them because they can afford to pay them. But those who have less means, those who are not as well off, those who need to defend themselves, who can't afford having someone else to defend themselves, don't live in neighborhoods 
with armed guards protecting them, live maybe in neighborhoods where the uh, uh, police have forgotten about and don't patrol as much, or live in the most dangerous neighborhoods because low-income neighborhoods are the most dangerous, will be the first ones disarmed under this because they can't afford a lawyer the thousands of dollars it costs. It shouldn't cost you thousands of dollars to defend your right to own a firearm. This is wrong in every which way or form. Nowhere once in this entire article do they talk about constitutional rights of an individual. They talk about a, a, a simple law enforcement officer asking a judge to take it away and a judge taking it away. No jury of peers. You're not accused of a crime. You have to hire an attorney costing thousands of dollars. And then if a judge does roll against you, you're now going to have to expend time, money, and energy taking these pathways to prove you're safe enough to hold a gun, to have your right to defend yourself. Absolutely ridiculous. They want to defend this. Say the new framework allows for family or friends to report evidence of a crisis to law enforcement. From there, a law enforcement official will determine the need to file a petition in district court for temporary car order. Petitions can be filed within the court 24 hours a day, like a warrant or protective order. So at 2 a.m., they could be coming to say, yep, yep, let's go ahead and rule against them. Come take your guns. The district court would need to find probable cause that a person poses an immediate danger of causing serious physical injury to self or others. How's that probable cause found? Well, it's because the judge decides it. That's why. It's because the judge just goes and decides it. Well, yeah, I think that probable cause is important. It's not based upon a, a even mental health professional. Nowhere once mentioned in this. Not that I would trust them either, right? Not that I would trust them, because, of course, I wouldn't trust them either to weigh in on this. I trust a jury of peers to decide whether or not somebody's rights should be taken away from them when they have committed a crime. That's it, period. That's it, period. That's the line. And people want to say, well, you know, we got these mass shootings and everything else. Now, of course, this article does talk about the Louisville mass shooting. How would that affect it? We've seen that manifesto. Um, we will go over what they respond to, how this would affect Louisville mass shooting after this short break, as well as be digging into uh, what Michael Adams says we need to do more in elections in order to win them. Uh, be, you know, let's see what that great mind has to say. We'll have that after this short break. You're listening to the Andrew Cooperwriter Show, your source for Kentucky politics. Remember, you can reach out to the show at info at theandrewshow.com. Once again, that's info at theandrewshow.com. We'll see you back here in just a few short minutes. And you are back with the Andrew Cooperwriter Show, your source for Kentucky politics. Before the break, let's go over this car new article, getting riled up here because absolutely this is a travesty. Uh, they're destroying our right to own firearms. Once again, make sure you are there December 15th at 10 a.m. at the Judiciary Committee hearing in Frankfurt to make sure your voice is loud and clear that this type of bill, CAR, C-A-R-R, -R, will not stand, that you will stand against it. And I hope you will join us in fighting against that. So what they say is, how could Carr have affected Louisville's mass shooting? Well, they say the December legislative hearing will come eight months and five days after the mass shooting in Louisville at Old National Bank that resulted in five deaths and eight injuries. Now, I'm going to tell you a little secret before I go on, um, that there is nothing this bill would have done to address 
the mass shooting. Why? Because they, the, the family didn't know he even owned a gun, according to what the family has said, until the day of the shooting, right? Day of the shooting. But anyways, this is what uh, Yates here had to say. The Democrat, when I was elected to the state Senate, I promised myself that I would never shy away from what was right just because of the political ramifications. This is not a gun-grabbing bill. It absolutely is. What a piece of... Mm. It is a gun-grabbing bill. Don't, don't gaslight us. This is a mental health crisis bill. That's what the claim is. Um, the Louisville bank gunman Connor Sturgeon bought a gun despite struggles with mental health. Two days after the shooting, his family released a statement that said, while Connor, like many of his contemporaries, had mental health challenges, which we as a family were actively addressing, there was never any signs or indications that he was capable of this shocking acts. Surgeons told at least one person he was suicidal, according to McGarvey, who spoke at the press conference just days after the shooting. What we do know is that studies conducted over 30 years show that 90% of shooters engage in suicidal behavior, which means there's warning signs and 80% express their, con their intent. And it goes on to say, talks about a lot more stats about people trying to harm themselves or what have you. But it goes on to say, uh, I think a lot about what we could have passed, what we could have done that would have changed the situation. And the truth is, I don't know. Because the truth is, is that this bill wouldn't have addressed it at all. It wouldn't have addressed it at all. In order for a quote unquote mass shooter to have their guns taken away under this law, they would have to be exhibiting these warning signs to family members who would have to then know he owned a gun, because remember, he didn't buy a gun until eight days before, to then be able to get an order to take it away. They didn't even know any of these things. So it just goes to show this type of stuff, it doesn't, it doesn't solve this problem. It doesn't solve. The most recent mass shooting wouldn't have been solved by this problem. But yet, they'll continue to sell us this dribble and pretend... That's a great thing for us. So once again, remember, and I'll post this to my social media. It will go out in my email list too as well to make sure we're showing up on December 15th at 10 a.m. for uh, in Frankfurt to stand against car, to stand against red flag gun laws, to stand against these types of atrocities and destruction of what it means to be an American citizen. We do not and should not have to beg for our right to own a firearm from a judge. We should not have to prove it. Our rights should only be taken away from us when a jury of our peers has found us guilty. Guilty of a crime. Jury of peers, not a judge's opinion. Well, speaking of elections and pieces of trash Republicans, um, we have Michael Adams here weighing in on the 2023 election. Now, Michael Adams pulled in the highest number of votes in the last general. And immediately the call was, uh, of course, for him to start trying to run for governor, something we can expect, I'm sure, he to do. He'll be termed out at the end of these four years, and he'll make the claim that, well, I got the most amount of votes in a general. It's not a guaranteed win. Now, understand this. Any Republican that runs in four years will most likely win now. Because you, what you don't have is the incumbent effect. And that incumbent effect is very strong because it becomes very hard to claim that a person does the things that you want to claim that they can do when we've all experienced them in office. The, the Democrats are experiencing this now at the national level. 
when it comes to Trump. They're trying to claim Trump is going to be a despot and destroy everything that Trump will, of course, not give up power if he becomes president. And then in four years, when he's termed out, he, he won't be willing to give up power or he'll somehow destroy all of our lives. He's a tyrant. He'll literally execute, as we covered last week, Joe Scarborough saying that he would literally execute his political uh, 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 opponents literally execute them. Apparently that's what Joe has to say, but anyways, but this won't work because, and it's not working in the polls, no matter how much they try to claim this threat to the democracy and so on and so forth, because all of us have a memory longer than a goldfish. We were most of us alive eight years ago that are going to be voting and, and remembering that we went through four years of Trump and there wasn't uh, there wasn't mass executions in the street. There wasn't political despotism. There was a, a whole lot of this chagrin by the media being very upset that Trump's existed. But we know the bottom line was we had more money in our bank accounts, that the things didn't cost as much. Inflation was lower. Everything was going better. Crime was lower. Everything was better when Trump was in office. And so they'll try to gin you up. Well, we will have the same issue happens in something like uh, uh, the election we just had because we've had four years of Bashir. Anything you try to say about him being far left and everything else, even though you have evidence to point to it, and he quite clearly is, the legislature kept him in check. People weren't able to feel that full brunt of his liberalism. Therefore, he wasn't as much of a threat, and it didn't really encourage people to get out. But let's see what Michael Adams has to say the future is for elections here in Kentucky, these off-year elections. As long as Kentucky votes in an odd year and is not voting in, say, a federal election year, I just don't think we're going to be able to win elections by nationalizing them. Because people are not coming out to vote for Rand Paul or Donald Trump. They're not going to vote straight R and sweep in the governor and, and, and me and the others on our ticket. Uh, it's a different pool of people. And so uh, I think we have to run it differently. Uh, so number one, I think, again, I'm not judging anybody. Like, I understand nationalizing the race potentially gets you a higher turnout. I, I get it. But if that's not working, try something else. And I think what would work better is to try to do what the Democrats did successfully with the Bashir campaign, which is to court the center, because there really still is one. And all things being equal, they want to vote for Republicans. And they did in five of the six races. Now, understand this, right? So what he's saying there is that uh, in off years, maybe he's not realizing he's saying this. He's saying, well, you can't nationalize things. What he's really saying is you can't coattail. Those people running in a state issues race can't coattail off federal issues in these off-year elections because it's not about federal issues. It's about state issues. And what he's really saying is, is, is and he doesn't even realize he's saying it, because you can't coattail off federal issues, People have, and this is not what he said. He didn't say this because, of course, this would take a mental leap for him to now go against what he was talking about, which is courting the middle, middle, talk about that, moderating. We'll talk about that here in a bit. But instead, it's got to be about how to turn out people for you. You're not the, you are the top of the ticket. You have nobody to coattail off of. You have no national media that's going to force people out for you. You have to do the hard work of getting them to turn out for you. And he talks about Bashir court in the middle, but at the end of the day, Bashir got less votes 
2023 than he did in 2019. It's just how it happened. Less people turned out to vote in all. So he got less votes. Therefore, with him having less votes, you would you'd say, well, clearly it wasn't as much about courting the middle. He just held on to the people who voted for him before. And courting that middle, maybe Bashir, quote unquote, courted the middle, so for so on. But what does he mean by Cameron didn't court the middle? I mean, Cameron certainly didn't turn out Republicans. Cameron tried to convince the people who were going to vote no matter what to vote for him. And I guess you would call those people more moderate slash more in the middle. Those people, the Trump voters, the Rand Paul voters, they may need a little more inspiration to turn out. What's he mean by courting the middle? What is the middle, right? Well, we'll be talking about that after this short break. You're listening to the Andrew Cooperator Show. Uh, make sure, you know, if you want to reach out to the show, you can email info at theandrewshow.com. Once again, info at theandrewshow.com. If you're listening to this other than the radio, make sure you like, comment, sharing, and subscribing to the channel. Uh, we'll be back after this short break. You're listening to the Andrew Cooperator Show. And you are back with the Andrew Cooperator Show. Before the break, we were talking about uh, Michael Adams talking about how we need to court the middle. Now, of course, I think he's wrong. Any longtime listeners of this will know that I believe we need to turn out conservatives to vote for us. That's what Cameron did wrong in these off-year elections. But Adam says court the middle. But what does he mean by the middle? What is the middle? What is the center? And this is the problem with these types of people. See, to them, conservatism doesn't mean anything. It's just a label that they use to hopefully aid them in winning elections. What they do when they're in office has nothing to do with that label. It's just the team they're on. They're on Team R. They're on Team D. Their actual beliefs of what they need to do, has, there's, there's nothing tied to that. That doesn't mean anything greater to them. Being a Republican, being a Democrat, this to most of the establishment, it doesn't mean anything else to them much more than being a UK fan versus a Cardinals fan means to most Kentuckians. It's just what you are. There's no set of beliefs tied to it. For those of us who are Voters that want to believe in something, that want to see a difference in the state, that believe in the principles of the party and the party platform, being a Republican does and should mean something to us. And that means that there isn't, just based on poll results, a set of beliefs you should have. There's a set of beliefs you should have because you're conservative. Regardless of whatever the poll results may be saying. But that's something Michael Adams doesn't prescribe to. So we have to wonder what he says is the middle. What does he prescribe as the middle? And so often you hear people saying, well, why can't we just uh, have a, you know, have a, a come to an agreement? Why can't we compromise more in politics? That's a, that's an often thing. I've heard it. You've heard it probably. And what I have to generally say to those people that want to say, well, why can't we compromise more where where do you define the middle on so many of these issues? Let's take abortion. Either you believe in murdering babies or you don't. There's not much compromise there, right? Because for, for the Democrats, maybe they have a point. They want, let's say the, the most liberal Democrats want abortion on demand up until birth, maybe even after birth, right? But to the Republicans, they say, look, we want to see no abortion, Unless it's for the life of the mother, because we're about maintaining life. 
And so therefore they would say, well, the middle then would be, well, what, um, halfway through the pregnancy. So four and a half months. So right around about mm, 20 weeks. That's good. That's good. That's, that's halfway, right? That's meeting in the middle. That's the center, right? But the problem is, is you've asked the Democrats to compromise, but what you've asked the conservatives to do is give up everything they believe in at that point, right? Take the Second Amendment. I believe that unless you've been convicted of a crime by the jury of your peers, you should be allowed to own any firearm you so wish because you have a right to self-defense against enemies, both foreign and domestic, meaning you have the right to defend yourself from an invading force. You have a right to defend yourself from a tyrannical government. And you also have a right to defend yourself from that regular old criminal that's just down the street. That's what I believe. And so for that reason, that is my belief. And so a, a, a Democrat may say, but yeah, okay, I hear you. But what if, what if though, we just say you can own anything that isn't semi-automatic. So you can own your bolt action rifles. And so you can hunt, you know, uh, a pump shotgun. You can still defend yourself against a person coming in or so. Um, you know, you can defend against invading forces too. And, and that's a, that's a deterrent to the government, of course, but let's just, you know, what about semi-automatic weapons? Let's just take that away. Well, no, you're compromising on your belief that nobody should own any guns by saying, well, okay, maybe just not these guns. How about that? I'm compromising on everything I believe in then to get to the center. My belief that the ownership of firearms should be unrestricted unless you've been convicted of a crime. And the minute you give in a little bit to say, okay, well, maybe in some situations, this is okay. Or maybe in some situations, the abortions, or maybe in this situation, not owning guns. Okay. They can grasp on that and say, well, what about compromise? Let's get to the center. Let's court the middle. And in a lot of ways, by courting the middle, you end up courting nobody. Now, of course, if Adams ran for governor, if he managed to win the primary, he would probably win the general because, well, who are the Republicans going to vote for? They'll Vote for anybody with an R next to their name, generally speaking, the vast majority of them. And he'll probably win over uh, a lot of the people who, if they don't know anything else about them, just Republican, Democrat, they'll say, oh, I guess I'll go with the Republican because Adams will sound very, very similar to a Democrat. People say, okay, just guess vote for him. And we'll end up with a administration under Adams that is probably not that much different than administration we have now under Bashir as far as actual policy and effect for our life. Because once again, what is the middle? But that is exactly what Bashir is. A person who has no conservative values, has just compromised, quote unquote, on liberal viewpoints in order to work people towards them while holding views that are completely against anything to do with any kind of conservatism that we would believe in. Here's something finally to end on. And I've talked about Ford before, but um, recent earnings call from Ford shows that they are um, uh, moving down. They're, they're moving down the number of jobs they think the Ford plant will produce from 5,000 to just a thousand jobs in a recent end of quarter call. So uh, before this, we, so we gave them $410 million, right? And, and I might go into this more tomorrow where I've got a little more time before we end here. But basically 
when we first put this in place, when we first talked about this deal, it was $410 million for 5,000 jobs, which was $82,000 a job. Now, people said there would also be support jobs and those kinds of things that would come online and that would make it more worth it. Well, now, with it being taken down now to 1,000 jobs, we're now paying $410,000 a job as Kentuckians. $410,000 a job. That really doesn't sound like that good of a deal. Keep in mind, there's some other parts that go into this, like, uh, you know, why they got that money. Well, they had to invest $2 billion. Where did that $2 billion come from? Those are all things I'll be covering tomorrow. I'll cover that in tomorrow's show. Don't really have a whole lot of time to get to it, but just know that there is, uh, they're looking at moving that down to just a thousand jobs. Once again, showing bamboozled and, and, and I hammer on this. People ask me, you know, Andrew, why do you hammer on the Ford deal so much? Because our legislators voted blind on it. Not a single one of them will pay a single price for what they did. Not a single one of them will lose an election over it as they should as they should. Not a single one of them will be forced to apologize for it, as they should. Not a single one will be asked to explain their vote, as they should. Uh, let's see here. Um, recently, State Journal had an article uh, from a, or had an op-ed from a citizen there in Frankfurt, urging the government to move against flock cameras in that area. We're seeing a lot of flock cameras popping up all across Kentucky. These are these license plate leader readers, sorry, being sold to Kentuckians as a way to help with the lowering uh, police force size, the less employees that they have as a, as a good way to continue to enforce public safety while not having quite the same number of bodies on the streets. But there's a lot of concerns to go on with that. That's another story today. I wasn't able really to get to, so we'll cover that once again tomorrow. I do want to remind everybody, though, please stay active. Look at who's running locally in the primaries coming up. That filing deadline is 1st of January. Look at the voting record of people in your district. And if they have a bad voting record, even if you don't think you can win or anything else, at least maybe if you don't see anybody else running against them in a primary, run against them in a primary. If anything, so they have to defend their record, at least be asked questions about why they voted in a certain way and making them defend their record. You know, once again, too, I want to remind everybody, because I, I think it's incredibly important. I was talking about Carr earlier, crisis aversion rights, retention bill, absolutely atrocious being put forward by the worst people who, who hate the Constitution, clearly. Um, they believe they somehow understand what it means or they've twisted it to, to justify the types of actions that they're taking. But I do want to take a moment, remind you, please, December 15th, up in Frankfurt, at 10 a.m. at the uh, Interim Judiciary Committee hearing uh, is when that will be held. So the Interim Meeting the Judiciary Committee We'll discuss the bill December 15th at 10 a.m. Make sure you show up to, to say, look, do not pass this bill. This is a trash bill. This is trash. Car sucks. Get rid of it. Well, y'all, that's what we have time for today on the Andrew Cooperwriter Show. We'll see you tomorrow. Gave you a little preview of two stories we'll talk about, but we've got much, much more to cover. We'll see you guys back here tomorrow, 9 a.m. on WZXI and 1 p.m. everywhere else. Y'all have a great rest of your day.